Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. When you die to self, you can't live for self because self is dead. You've died to self. <laughs> and when you don't live for self, you'll live for the Lord. And when you live for the Lord, you'll live a Spirit-filled life. And the Spirit-filled life comes packaged with the Holy Spirit's empowering. And there's no other way. And that was Paul's secret. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. How awesome it would be and is for some to be totally sold out for Christ. Pastor J.D. explores secrets to spiritual stamina and identifies dying to self as one of these. It's not easy, but when we die to ourselves, living for God becomes our main priority. With that comes blessings above and beyond what we could ever imagine. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with his continuing study entitled Spiritual Stamina. All right, let's get started on Sunday mornings. We're going through 2 Corinthians, having completed 1 Corinthians. We're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today our uh, text will be chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. And Lord willing, we'll actually finish the chapter today. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and continues uh, explaining some things to them and communicating some truths to them. Paul, by the Spirit, writes, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, verse 18, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, verse 20, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Today's teaching is part two of a new series we began last week titled Spiritual Stamina. The reason I chose this title is because woven into the fabric of this chapter, the Apostle Paul, in a way, reveals to us his secret. 
specifically his secret to his spiritual stamina. And in so doing, he shows us both how it is and perhaps more importantly why it is that in spite of all the trials he experienced, he never burned out, he never tossed in the towel, so to speak, he never gave up, and he certainly never gave in to despair. The first reason that he never burned out is because, and this is huge, in fact I would suggest it's foundational, in the sense that he was a God-pleaser and not a man-pleaser. In verse 9 he tells the Corinthians that he made it his goal. This was his aim. This is where, if you please, the goalposts were in his life. The goalposts were only that his life would be pleasing to God and at the expense, in many cases, of pleasing man. This sort of ties into the second reason Paul never gave up, which is that as a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser, he kept his eyes on the prize. In verse 10, he talks about how we're all one day on that great and final day going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is not the great white throne judgment. That's for the unbelievers. This is the Bema seat of Christ. And it's where each of us, Paul says, will receive what is due us for the things done. The rewards for that which we did for Jesus Christ. This judgment seat that Paul speaks of is like the Olympics, where you have the judges seated there judging the contestants. And at the end, they reward the winner with the gold medal. In that day, it was a wreath over the head, and it was a perishable wreath. And Paul talks at length, actually, about this not being a perishable, but an eternal crown. The third reason that Paul never experienced burnout is because he knew what it is to fear the Lord. And this is not necessarily what we understand as fearing God. Yes, we have a reverent fear for God. The Proverbs talk about how that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But when Paul says, and notice interesting, he doesn't say, I fear the Lord. No, what he does say is, I know what it is to fear the Lord. Now, why does he say it that way? Because what he's saying here is that he lived his life with the fear that he would grieve the Lord. That was a fear that he had, that somehow his life would be displeasing in the sight of the Lord, that his sin would grieve the heart of God. And that's what he feared, and he lived his life in that way. Well, the next reason, the fourth reason Paul never gave up is because he didn't take unjust criticisms or false accusations to heart. And by the way, there were many unjust criticisms of Paul. There were numerous false accusations against Paul, but Paul never took them to heart. 
He had a thick skin, as it were. In verses 12 and 13, he tells the Corinthians that he wants them to take pride in him, and he wants for them to be able to answer the critics who were accusing them of being out of their mind. And I love how he says it because he says, if we're out of our mind, it's for God. If we're not out of our mind, well, then it's for you. I love that because sometimes I think I'm out of my mind for the Lord, and that's a good thing, I suppose. Well, this brings us to our text today, and the fifth reason that Paul had this spiritual stamina, this unflinching fearlessness, this steadfastness. And it's simply put that he knew Jesus loved him. Now, I know at first that might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, maybe even elementary in some way, but I love what he says in verse 14. He says that Christ's love compels him. I'll add, propels him. The love that Jesus had for him is what drove him. It's what motivated him. And he tells us why. Because they're convinced that one died speaking of Jesus for all, and therefore all have died. We'll pick that up here in a moment. What Paul is saying here isn't so much that he loved the Lord. Certainly he did. But what he's saying here is that he really knew that the Lord loved him. So much so that the love that Jesus had for him compelled him to press on so as to not give in to despair and discouragement. The one who has been forgiven of much loves much. I want you to think about that for a moment. We know that in the context of the woman at the well. We know that in the context of the former prostitute, Mary Magdalene, forgiven of much, and as such, she loved much. But you ever stop to think about how much Paul was forgiven of when he was Saul of Tarsus? He actually thought that he was doing God a favor by murdering these Christians. You'll forgive the comparison, but this is what Muslims today believe, that they're actually doing Allah's work. They're doing Allah a favor by beheading and murdering Christians. Now think about that. Paul had been forgiven of that. And because he had been forgiven of so much, Paul loved so much. I've often said, and I suppose it bears repeating, that I'm of the belief that Paul really loved these Corinthians. I personally am of the belief that he led many of them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in the year and the half that he was there in Corinth. He actually planted this church. He discipled them. He loved them. He spent much time with them. And it's because of his love for them that he does what he does and says what he says. In both of his epistles, both the first and second epistle to the Corinthians. But where did that come from? 
Where does, what was the source of that love? It was that he knew that Jesus loved him. You know, as kids, we always would sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. I think the Apostle Paul could have written that. He would boast in his strength. He was weak, and when he was weak, he was strong, and he would boast in that strength because that strength was from the Lord. That love was from the Lord, and that's what drove him. That's what propelled him. That's what motivated him. I like how one commentator said it. Paul's motivation was the love of Christ, not his love for Christ, but Christ's for him. A few years ago, a ministry magazine reported that over 80% of those involved in full-time ministry experienced ministerial burnout, which is causing pastors to leave the ministry at a higher rate than those who are entering the ministry, and which results in the average pastor staying in the pulpit for less than three years. The Lord loves me, Paul said. He died for me, and he rose again that I might live for him. Thus, it was the love of Christ that kept Paul from burning out and giving up. This last week, my wife was sharing with me about a pastor here on the island that just gave up. Tossed in the towel. Big church. Big church. And he left the islands. Local boy. And moved to the mainland. That's it. He had had it. He had had it. I want to say to somebody like that, Jesus loves you, man. Jesus loves you, pastor. (laughs) Jesus loves you, Christian. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Charles Spurgeon had this to say. The love of Christ had pressed Paul's energies into one force, turned them into one channel, and then driven them forward with a wonderful force till he and his fellows had become a mighty power for good, ever active and energetic. Well, this brings us to our sixth reason that Paul never burned out. And it's because he lived for the Lord. Paul did not live for himself. He didn't do what he did because of what was in it for him. In verse 15 he says, Christ died for all, so those who live should no longer live for themselves. Did you catch that? No longer live for themselves as it would appear heretofore they were doing. Living for themselves. He says, but for Christ who died for all and all died to self because of it. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the best ways to avoid burnout, It would have to be that of dying to self. 
picking up your cross and following the Lord. And here's why. When you die to self, you can't live for self because self is dead. You've died to self. (laughs) And when you don't live for self, you'll live for the Lord. And when you live for the Lord, you'll live a spirit-filled life. And the spirit-filled life comes packaged with the Holy Spirit's empowering. And there's no other way. And that was Paul's secret. He had died to self. He was living for the Lord. Everything he did was for the Lord. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This is what I like to call the hurry up and wait passage. Jesus is saying, you you got a world to reach. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But you have to wait. Don't even think about doing that until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus reiterates the promise that is ultimately fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, and it's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. In the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the Greek word dunamis, where we get our word for dynamite. What was that sitcom? You'll forgive me for quoting an old sitcom, but what was that sitcom? That one got dynamite! (laughs) Okay, never mind. Just want to make sure you're still awake. I know it's early. Dynamite. That's the dunamis, the the dynamite, the dynamic, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the antithesis of operating in the energy and the strength of the flesh. If we're operating and living our Christian lives in the energy of our own flesh, it's just a matter of time. We'll hit the wall. You can count on it. But conversely, when you're operating and living your life in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's limitless. It's limitless. The picture is fabulous in Zechariah 4.6. Two olive trees with a continual supply of olive oil. That's the source. And that's why Zechariah 4.6 says, it's not by might. It's not by my power, my willpower, my own strength. But it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. I think oftentimes we are guilty, sometimes unknowingly, of being more like Ishmael, a type of the flesh, then we are like Isaac, a type of the Spirit. Why is Ishmael a type of the flesh? Because that's when, and that was the result of Abraham and Sarah trying to help God out. You ever try to do that? I can promise you, (laughs) don't try to help God out. You can't help God out, okay? One of the things that I'm realizing in my walk with the Lord is 
to just stay out of his way. My favorite hymn, I should say one of my favorite hymns because all of the hymns are my favorite hymns, but one particular hymn, in fact, my mom paid me to learn to play it on the piano. And it was, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. You know the hymn. It was hymn number 272 in my hymnal. I remember it very well. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I'm the clay. That's Isaiah. Lord, do with me as you will. And stop fighting him. Stop fighting the Lord and the work that he's doing in you and through you. And make no mistake about it, he has to do the work in you before he can do the work through you. He has to mold you and shape you like the potter with the clay. And sometimes it's very painful. Have you seen potters? How they do clay? How they take clay, which is basically mud, and they take it and they... And then they shape it and they stick it on that wheel and spin it around at a hundred jillion miles an hour until you're so dizzy you have no idea, God, what are you doing? And then when the wheel starts to slow down and you're catching your breath, (laughs) he picks you up after taking all the gook out of you and shaping you and putting his hand in you. He picks you up. And he puts you in the kiln, (laughs) appropriately named kiln. (laughs) You're killing me, God. What are you doing? It's the fiery furnace of affliction, Isaiah says. I'm refining you. I'm conforming you. I'm making you into the image of Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to empower you. And that was the Apostle Paul. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples, don't even think about starting and going out until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And to the disciples' credit, they didn't burn out either, did they? You know how they died? They finished well. They finished well. And they died horrific deaths because of their commitment to the Savior and their loyalty to the Savior. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. If you'd like to listen to today's message, head to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the Listen tab. You'll also have access to a number of other teachings by Pastor J.D., as well as his weekly Aloha Prophecy Updates. You can download our mobile app to take these teachings with you wherever you go. Learn more about In Spirit and Truth and Pastor J.D. at our website and also on Twitter. We'd love to have you join the conversation there. We'd also love to meet you in person as well and would like to invite you to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and also on Thursdays at 7 p.m. 
and you'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Before we end today, Pastor J.D. has an encouraging word to share with you. It is such a blessing for me personally to be able to share God's Word with you on each edition of our In Spirit and Truth radio broadcast. Also, I'm so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen. The book of 2 Corinthians provides us a much-needed reminder of how divine power is realized in our human weakness. Sadly, though, this is not a popular topic today because, as one so aptly said it, the gospel does not ride on health and wealth, but on weakness. The ministry of the Spirit is not one of splash and flash, but of meekness and weakness. It's for this reason that 2 Corinthians has become one of my favorite books in the Bible. Not only does it provide us with the key to living victorious Christian lives, it also provides us practical application concerning how we treat other believers in our lives. It's my hope and prayer that you will be as encouraged and blessed by this book as I was. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth Radio. 